0: Everything in this universe has a beginning. The Big Bang. The formation of nebular matter into stars and planets. The first collections of amino acids in the Earth's oceans. The first creatures to leave them. The first mammals. The first primates that walked upright. The first religion. The first printing press.
1: Pump up your space boots and phone home. It's time for Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Live to tape from the mountains of West Virginia. It's Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Bigfoot, UFOs, Stargates, Let's Find Out. Paranormal, Intelligent Design, Entertainment, Let's Find Out. You're listening to Let's Find Out with co-host Diego.
0: Live to tape from the mountains of West Virginia. Welcome to another episode of Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Thank you for taking this journey with me. On this episode of Let's Find Out, during his whole life, our guest has had first-hand encounters with creatures such as Bigfoot, the Black Dog of Meriden, the Ghost Horses, and other unexplained strange phenomena. His need to understand his previous encounters has led him to create the Connecticut Cryptid Investigative Society, CSIS, an online project that explores and investigates Connecticut and surrounding areas. We can follow their research and findings on their YouTube channel. Please welcome to Let's Find Out. Colin Haskins, my friend, thank you for being here. Welcome to Let's Find Out. Thank
2: you, Diego, and it's a real honor to be here on Let's Find Out. And Thank you, the viewers. Um, We really appreciate this opportunity to um, share our investigations and stories with you.
0: No, you no, know, the pleasure is all on this side of the table because I think everybody and in, in, I guess our community, we all share a common passion to seek knowledge and truth and to not many of us, but you've had some firsthand encounters from a very young age. And I know the intro was just a tip of the iceberg about all your experiences, but let's just go to to the first one. And I want to jump too far ahead, but let's go back in time, take the time machine. What was your very first experience?
2: Well, with cryptids, um, you know, of course, I think a lot of people have had a lot of really unexplained things happen. One of my really, um, you know, I'm an old coot now, so I'm I'm getting up there. But back in my 20s, I lived in Meriden, Connecticut, and um, there's a unique legend there. The cliffs of Meriden are unique in so much as it's the highest point of land within 25 miles of the ocean on the entire East coast of, of America from Maine to Florida. So within 25 miles of the ocean. Um, so that just, and I know you, a lot of people of Connecticut's a tiny state. So hopefully you'll get to know us a little bit better. That, that peak of land just sticks out. Okay. And uh, then they built this castle on top of there. Um, in, well, I won't even give a date. I, I won't cause I'll mess it up but it's old and it's a, it's a castle. You can go up inside. It's like a, it sits on the peak there. But, um, prior to all of that is the legend of the black dog of Meriden. And it, we'll run through it really quickly. It goes something like this. Uh, there's a little spaniel. He's black, very friendly. Um, and, and, and all throughout these cliffs, it's a valley underneath. So all throughout these cliffs are these gorgeous trails. It's called Hubbard park. Um, the legend of the black dog is this little spaniel you'll be hiking there and uh there'll be this friendly little dog that just appears and sort of guides you you know like your dog would right and the thing is if he barks you don't hear him and he doesn't leave any footprints he appears very solid he or she i shouldn't say he we, there's no um idea if it, if it was a male or female dog um and so the legend is this if you see this dog the first time is for joy if you see it a second time for sorrow and the third time is for death and it's a very strange cryptid um i don't know you can go back into our investigations we we did a proper investigation we have videos and all of that it's it's it was a good one um so and i lived there in my very early 20s it was a rough time in my life you know i was struggling to get by and um i vaguely knew about the um black dog legend of course when you live in a town like that um it would be like living in point pleasant and not knowing about mothman it would be ridiculous right but not a lot of people give it a whole lot of thought and um buddy of mine were hiking and sure enough, we. We kept seeing this dog, you know, and it would like run ahead of us. And we'd hike miles, many miles along these jagged cliffs. They're very dangerous, too. Um, It's trap rock, slip rock. It's just going to break away. And a lot of people have died there. The dog just kept going ahead of us. You know, and we'd be like, well, this somebody's dog, but then there's nobody there. And, you know, and as these, it sort of curves around. It's not just a straight cliff. You know, there's jagged in it. You, there's parts you can see and other parts then you come around. And there's this dog just following us. And neither one of us gave it much thought. Until CSIS was formed and we talked to the town historian, got a lot of information. And we went back and did an investigation Um, There's one very famous case with some geologists from Yale. And, of course, we're talking about how unique these cliffs are. And being trap rock, again, it's jagged and it wants to fall away. It's shattered, um, so it's not stable rock. And they saw this dog. And, okay, they, they then found out about the legend. This is back, 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 back. Um, a long time ago. I'll, I'll guess late 1800s. So they both, the, the one, guy, one guy was alone. He had a geologist friend. He saw it. Told the guy about this dog because it was crazy up on these cliffs and uh, in a very underneath Mirror Lake. And so he mentioned it to this guy that it had no business being there. It just, you know, it doesn't make sense. It was like a goat would have been there or something, you know, just it, it, it just a dog wouldn't just be there it would be in trouble if it was so they know about this legend so they they then he returns with his friend to the same spot and they're hiking and he sees it again and his friend that he brought with him ended up falling from the trap rock and was hospitalized and, and gravely injured And, um, several years went by and he passed away, but I mean, he was, he was not in good shape for the rest of his life, which was shortened dramatically. And, um, so the other guy didn't want to go back because now he saw it with him. So that's his second time seeing it. And many years passed, uh, we'll say 10 years or so passed. And he decides he's going to go honor his friend and just hike up to the spot again, just to, you know, just, just to honor his friend. The rocks fall away and he dies. Of course, there's nobody there with him, so no one knows wow. what happened. Uh, I won't dwell over long on this, but that's what I saw. On our investigation, we went to the, the the cliffs. We brought three dog biscuits with us, and we left them in a spot there to try to start a new thing where people might be can sort of bring a good luck charm with them. It's a dog. We brought dog biscuits. One exact week later, at the very spot that we left the dog biscuits, biscuits at a woman fell and um is now not able to speak or walk well and is in very bad shape and we don't know her story either so um and then I've had an encounter with a Bigfoot and I'll be quick about this one it it was really weird it was in East Hartford just off of the capital of Connecticut on a very small river the Hockenham River it was in a parking lot of an apartment okay so And then this was an artificial like cliff that they made in order to make it level. And it just went straight down with broken bottles and all kinds of debris and metal and stuff is just, you wouldn't want to go in there. And I had just started maple tapping at the time. So I'm going to check. I'm I'm a construction worker. I'm coming home. It's dark. It's February, you know, and so at four o'clock it's getting dark. I go there and I see somebody looking in my maple buckets, which were, you know, just, You don't go there. I only went there because there was trees. And, you know, I'm like, what the hell is looking in my freaking maple buckets? You know, and this thing squatted over looking in, like, you know, lifting up the lid, which was gently on there just so that, you know, there's a lot of ants when you do this, by the way. So you think it's February. Well, there's ants and flies all over the place, so you want to cover those. And this thing, when I'm getting closer, stood up, and I was like, holy shit, this thing is like nine feet freaking tall, Okay. It lets out the most horrendous howl you ever seen. And it went straight down. This had to be 20-foot embankment with crushed stone, broken bottles, and trees were just smacking. It hit the Hockenum River. It went on to the other side and hit the linear trail just howling and hooting. And uh, I just I just left a maple
0: bucket there, you know. And, um, how, and close, how close to you was that?
2: Okay, so that's a, I could give you a pretty good measurement. So I would say the parking lot, I was the end when I part, I, this was the first thing I would do is go bring in my maple buckets and I carried it into the apartment me to boil it down. So I would park parking lot, maybe 40 feet wide, 45. I'm pretty good. Cause I know ladders. Um, and then give or take another 12 feet from there. And by the time I got maybe 10 feet towards you know, I'm heading now towards other cars and towards my tree line. That's when I saw it. About another two car links. That's when it stood up and it did not stick around. To it saw me and took off. It, you said it was, it, it was
0: a howl, right? What you said?
2: Howling like, like, oh, yeah. Like, Trees are just smacking down, you know. And other people had to have heard this because there was a, like a four or five apartment complex there. It's, this is in a city setting. So there, there you go. This is right off of a highway, capital city, avenues, industrial, you know, a lot of residents. So there is a greenway and that greenway then spills into the Connecticut River, which is itself very, very active with cryptids.
0: Well, it's it's a little unusual for some – like a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch to be that close to civilization, isn't it? That's what I thought, you know. Yeah. And at first because I thought
2: just there was somebody checking out my taps because that's what somebody would do. Like what are you doing this for in a city like this? Well, I'm, I was a country boy stuck in the city, and I'm making my damn maple syrup. So my only thought is somebody's just checking it. I didn't think anything was amiss. I just thought somebody was just curious as what the hell you do. How do you do it? You know, maybe that kind of thing. But then this thing stood up and it just kept getting up and up and up and up. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And, wow. and now this was many years before I started CSIS.
0: So in, in those days, you know, and you and I probably about close to the same age, there was no internet. It was no. all, it was snail mail, or you might see a random article on a newspaper about whatever happened similar to what you said. Who did you talk to? Who did you report it to back then? Because I understand that even back then, MUFON was around, but it's strictly usually for UFO things. So for, let's say, a a black dog or a Bigfoot, who would you talk to back then to try to report this? Nobody. Nobody.
2: We didn't know. Um, And... You know, I've come to the conclusion that there's a culture of ridicule and it's extremely effective at silencing anybody. Me, I don't care. You're not going to silence me. You know, I'm the crazy person. So, as I say in my videos, you send me the reports, I'll be the crazy person. I'm not at all worried about that culture of ridicule. So, but there just was nobody, and I'm not. I'm not at all computer savvy. So these things were just emerging. But I, I you know, uh, I come from down East Maine. So big things crashing through the woods nothing new. But up there, it's usually a moose or a bear. It's just not this big, pomaded, you know.
0: And experienced folks such as yourself, especially being in the woods and areas like that, and I want to be careful how I say this because I know that there are those that make these reports and you're talking about people with the ridicule and their unwelcome opinions. They'll say to you, I'm assuming, you saw maybe a wolf, you saw a bear, or maybe you just, um, who knows the kind of excuse they would use, but an experienced person such as yourself and other uh, researchers would know the difference because you are a biologist as well, right?
2: Oh, I'm not a professional biologist. Now, I love biology, um, and, and I get really nerdy with it, but let's be absolutely 100% clear here. I know I am not a trained biologist. I am a cryptozoologist.
0: Right, but even with something like that, even let's just say an active interest in biology, but yes. doing it for so many years, I think that kind of takes you a little bit more than an average, maybe I shouldn't say expert, but I think an an advanced?
2: I'm a good field investigator. There you go. For yeah. Sure, you know. Uh, I mean, we really put it to it here, you know, in Connecticut and... When we started this, this our state wasn't really on the map for this kind of stuff. We would get skipped over. You would go to New Jersey, and then you'd go to Whitehall, New York, or maybe into Massachusetts uh, with the puck wedgies there. You know, but like Rhode Island and Connecticut, we don't get a whole lot of attention from the rest of the country.
0: Is that because it's less um... – Known the East Coast, especially in your areas, for something like that, because I'm—I mean, I'm an East Coast guy. I've been in Virginia and Carolinas, and uh, when you go going further down, you start hearing more about this stuff. The f- yes. more you go further north, you kind of don't hear as much. But being that we're in what we're doing, we'll hear about it, but not for the—I guess the average person would know this.
2: Um, yeah, you know the the Northeast. Now, I'll, I'll share one of my theories with you here. Um, let's go back pre-colonization and let's say that Bigfoot was spread. And we'll just use Bigfoot. Let's just, but we'll say other cryptids, okay? We're spread evenly throughout those those lati- longitudes and latitudes. So your, your, your lake monsters are on that 40-second parallel, okay? And they're going to be in those lakes and in those riverways that are generally close to that. Now, the East Coast... Um and West coast. So so they're you know Oregon, California, they're they're pretty close to that same. I'm not I don't know exactly. Um, as we get into colonization, let's say everything was sort of spread relatively evenly. We get into colonization, deforestation, um, industrialization, you're you're destroying habitats, you're driving out forage base, you're driving out predators. Here in Connecticut, um, they claim that the eastern mountain lion is extinct. It, I can absolutely tell you that is not true. Um, and so all the trees were cut down, farmland everywhere. You know, as you see pictures of like Ireland and England and treeless, that's, you go back to the old paintings, and we do, we go into art museums and look at these things. Um, you'll see complete deforestation. Then you you get things like highways and stuff like that. Now the forests are coming back. Um, The private lands, people are letting their old growth trees come back. You can see from our videos, it's it's highly forested here. And so what would have happened is you would have driven out things like Bigfoot. They would have been here, but they would have moved further west. Uh, Of course, as the white man moves from east-west, they would have moved away. And things are now moving back um, because they have greenways. We have, you know, much, much nicer um, forests, cleaner water, and a, a more substantial forest forage base for them. If you don't have a forage base, you have no way of supporting a large animal.
0: Right. It seems like they, I guess, they would go more to a mountainous area. to be easier to hide. Yes.
2: Right. It definitely would
0: leads me to a theory that I have not I didn't invent a theory I just agree with the theory that maybe their mode of travel or way of hiding is through the a cave system of some sort.
2: Right. Now here we don't have a whole lot of caves. Um what we do have that they're seeming to use uh and it would make sense you let's say where you're from and, and through Appalachia and out west, you got caves, and they're definitely going to use those. Uh, we have old tunnels, old aqueducts and underneath our highways, and I've been in them. I've been in the one on what's called the Hog River through in Hartford again, and it goes under some highway stuff, and, and it then connects to the, the Connecticut River, um, and it's real creepy in there the graffiti stops after about maybe 50 feet and then there's scratchings and stuff yeah it's creepy you don't want to go in so they would utilize those if they're coming back into our territory because they're going to follow the waterways right and then you have a tunnel opening you're going to go in there
0: yeah i mean it's only natural that they would and so before you started CSIS and um the group got together started doing your research did you try to, were you with any other research group before that? Did you, because I know we talked about earlier that there was nobody to report these things to, but as these groups have grown and there's more, did you ever try to talk to them or join their groups?
2: Absolutely. We throw shout-outs to other groups all the time. Um, just just for this show, we, we have a, a group that we're following the... Bigfoot researchers of the Hudson Valley, and I got to tell you, they got some great evidence, and you, you want to line that up. So the Hudson River, awesome waterway. The second largest one over then is the Connecticut River, and you have a lot of nice fertile soil in between those two rivers. And uh, they're getting some tremendous stuff. So, yes, we do. And I'm, I'm the um, Connecticut field representative for the North American Dogman Project. Hey, guys. What's up? So I love collaborating. Um, we work here with the people from Paracon, the, the, the Connecticut Paranormal Convention, uh, Charles Rosenian and Nicholas Robert Grossman, and some podcaster, Claus Corner, my friend Richard Sears. So, yes, I believe strongly in collaboration. I want to share more information um to sort of develop migratory patterns you know that like deer have and stuff like that
0: henceforth jumping in with a youtube channel it seems to be doing really well and i was talking about it earlier right before the show that i was watching the videos and you know you're going out there putting in that work you're doing a lot of hard work a side question um Aside from the cryptids real quick, because I know once you go into the forest and these woods. Other than the potential cryptid, what has been some of the more dangerous things you've run into? Oh, oh,
2: oh, oh, boy. OK, two things Um, down in uh, here in North Canaan, Connecticut. That's where it starts to get very mountainous and we start to move into the, the Taconic Mountain Range in New York. OK, so that's a nice Beckley furnace. It has an old cast iron furnace there, and this thing looks like a Ziggurat pyramid. Then there's a waterfall; it's absolutely beautiful. So we went investigating in this place, um, and I went off trail a little bit. There's a there's a main trail, and I went to this rinky dinky little trail because, of course, that's where the good stuff happens. And if you can get off of a trail from there, we're hiking's winter, so winter in Connecticut, New England. It's there's snow; it's cold, and. Um, You know the trees are bare so it's a you can see quite a ways through there and um i'm seeing these geometrical patterns so they don't just happen in the woods this seemed to be a man-made thing so i walk over and i'm like what is this thing um i gotta tell you so i took my gloves off and i grab a hold of this thing it's cast iron we're about two miles in the woods it's a child's bed in the middle of the woods, cast iron from the 1800s. No way a person, a large person could fit on this thing. This is in deep forest. The minute I touched that thing, I instantly regretted it. It's just it was like it was like hitting a live wire. Hard to explain. I was just like I had a real bad feeling. I still to this day wish I didn't touch that bed something not good happened there
0: and it's just a bed in the middle of the woods there's no structure no house no no broken down um no, i'm gonna not, say wagon
2: no so in new england you got all these um foundations of old homesteads none of that none of that um fast forward we're um just a couple of weeks back now so we're separated you know so winter by a year okay so a year goes by and and you know you can check our investigations on these things. It's all on video. Um, we're hiking uh, a State Forest, the least fo- visited forest in Connecticut. We're squatching. we got a lot of call taps, some crazy rock structures. We, and then we go off trail again, very similar, very weird thing, just rinky-dinky little trail that sort of goes nowhere, not used at all, a lot of old-growth trees. So these things have been there. There would have been small trees. There would have been a, you know, sapling forest and a lot of them. Um, Again, now I see this thing and I go, what oh, geometric structures? So I go over to it and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's another child's bed cast iron in the middle of the woods. And so, yeah, that's creepy. It's not cryptid. It's just something weird we encountered. I asked my paranormal friends about it. They thought it was um, for tuberculosis. I didn't get that feeling. It, it, they said, "Well, you would have been outside. You wouldn't put a kid two miles outside with no, you know, no vehicle, horse, and you know, wagon." Made no sense, and it made That's... a very bad feeling from that. And I'm glad I didn't touch that one. And I know where both of these beds are if anyone ever wants to see them.
0: And that's interesting that they mentioned the whole tuberculosis thing, sort of like, and I don't know the century this was, back when leprosy was, was uh, where they take the lepers and they would put them outside the cities or away. Maybe something, they treated it like that, perhaps?
2: You would want more than one there, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. need some kind of support base. To me, I don't, Diego, I still don't know what to think of it. And maybe... You know, if anybody near podcast has any ideas, I would love to hear that. Um Yeah, I don't know. That that leprosy also, that works for me too. But I'll tell you, <laughs> when I touched it, it just didn't feel good. It felt very negative.
0: A little dreadful, huh? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> A little dreadful? No, I, I would be too. And then other, were we were talking about what you were talking about there, where you found the woods. Animals-wise, I'm sure you've run into mountain lions, maybe some sort of snakes. Uh, any close calls or something like that? We um,
2: – so we're back to Meriden, okay? When we went there – so I, I guess I didn't give you a good enough um, reference of Meriden. There's a series of cliffs, and there's Black Pond, The Hanging Hills, Mount Misery, Mount Lamentation, Dog Misery Swamp. Everything is sadness um, there. On our investigation there, we encountered um, black wildflowers, um, an eastern rat snake, total black, uh, five feet in length, black butterflies, not swallowtails, just solid black, um, black buzzards. Everything is black there. It was crazy. And no, we, there is this. Not cave, but there's a crazy rectangular cutout and the camera person said that's the house of the black dog. And we we were severely dehydrated on that very long hike. Um oh, and, uh so then we are at um another state forest. Um oh, it's it's across from the Hubline Tower in Connecticut in Avon. Um camera person saw something large round butted tan that um moved across the road and so uh, driving in this road is is like i got a little car and really you'd need a four-wheel drive to get in but i got in there you know going around the big pop bunk holes um and um as the camera person described and i say camera person because they they love to remain anonymous it's a thing um we did our real so we talked biology. We we looked at all possible things. What is this color? What is tan? Um, listen to it's kind of like a report. So camera person gave me a report. I didn't see it. I'm driving. It was behind us. Going through the list of possibilities, finally decided it was not a mountain lion um, because it had a, a rounded butt, that it was indeed a black bear. That was tan. And we looked it up and it occurs. They occur red, black, tan. Different colors. Still still a black bear, but tan, so that's weird.
0: It is a little weird that speaking of <laughs> no, because honestly, you won't catch me in the woods at all. I'm not as much <laughs> I'm not as much as fearful of animals. I'm more of a spiders and stinks kind of guy that yeah, it's not doesn't work for me. But you know, that's okay. In the intro, we talked about ghost horses, not we, so I talked about it. First time I've heard this, what are these ghost horses?
2: So here in, uh, we have a park here, and it was an old, it was an old, an old colonial mill, right? And it was a settlement, uh, the Gay Family, so it's called, it was called Gay City. And this was back in, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s, so that just meant happy back then. Um, Gay City State Park, um, It's an, uh, there's a lot of old foundations there, and uh, I didn't know, and I had, this is not about ghosts, but I'm, so you can hike, it's another one, extensive miles, forest, uh, trails that go on for a couple miles, and it loops around, so you, co- you can just stay on that trail and loop you right back around, and it brings you through some ponds, the forest, and the old foundations, I was there it was a particularly foggy morning with a dog I had and the dog kept whimpering and looking behind me as we got near these foundations I was very familiar with this place been there many times um starts whimpering and I'm like what the heck so you know again this was many years before this was around the same um I used to hike a lot so around the same time as the black dog incident now I start hearing like the sound like I'm like sounded like wagon wheels on rocks. I can't see. It's foggy, right? We're right by these foundations. And I hear this male voices and horses and like, you know, a small like whip cracking and like a sort of like, come on, you know, let's go, that kind of thing. My dog's freaking out. He's a big dog. He is freaking out. He wants nothing to do with this. And he's like strong. So he's like, let's go. You know he was now. now he was behind me um before when he was whimpering, now he wants to go, and I never saw anything I could hear this thing getting closer and closer, and it was just random sounds um yeah, yeah, it's a creepy, creepy place, not far from there is Black ledge falls, and uh there's there I encountered forest lights as I was doing some work with stone structures. And I didn't expect that. And then the next, I spent the night there. You're not really supposed to. So. I, I allegedly spent the night there.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, that's when the, 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 the lights, the spirit lights came over the lake. So I knew it wasn't flashlights. And I, I had witnesses with me. Um, the next day we're hiking around. I found an anatomical dummy in an orange jumpsuit that was part of an aer- aerial survey from the University of Connecticut. At first, I thought it was a dead body. Oh,
0: my prison. God, yeah.
2: it's in an orange suit. And I, you know, I still know where it is. I left it there. I'm like, I'm going to do something with this someday. Yeah, go on. Now, I've known about that for a good 10 years or so. And that's a another b- weird, creepy thing, this plastic body in the middle of the woods.
0: Oh, okay. So because don't want to jump to the next subject. Now, I'm interested in this, in this, uh, this mannequin or whatever this thing is with a with a jumpsuit from prison. <laughs> no, because what the hell is it doing there? Did it have any equipment on it or is it just like, like like a crash test dummy just laying there?
2: So it's a life-size anatomically I perfect male body, right? About mm. you know, when I was trimmer, about my size, six foot. Um and it had yeah, it had a little panel. I'm like, holy shit, you know, so, I mean holy darn. <laughs> oh, you're good. Okay. No, but I I like to keep it friendly. Um so I, I I'm looking inside this thing, I pulled this panel out and it had information. It said if you find this to contact it was part of an aerial survey done by the University of Connecticut, you know. And um I could show you know Diego, yeah, I could show them where it is. But I I, I, I like it. But
0: we're both yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not calling I'm not falling for that banana and tailpipe trick. They asked yeah. you to call that number and then they put you in the clink. Because you found something you're not supposed to find, you know.
2: Definitely. No, I know better than that.
0: (laughs) No, and and,
2: I I might bring him to a with me to a convention or something someday, (laughs) and drive in the high occupancy lane with him sitting there, you know.
0: No, I would charge people to take pictures with it for selfies. You know, five dollars, you know, a picture. You know. I love
2: that idea.
0: When your team captures something. Yes. As evidence on video um you're experienced enough to look at for the things to say well it could be this could be that as an amateur person as myself if somebody were to submit a piece of video or evidence a lot of these are on youtube it's kind of like a 50 50 kind of thing is if you're looking at footage of anything that supposedly we caught something what what are you the main things to look out for how do we deduct to where it could be something it could be not something what what are we look out for
2: okay always question yourself always always ask yourself is this misidentification is it a bear i mean cuz that's where your critics are going to go is it a bear um so, uh, and the bear, bear bear is real convenient for the critics because it covers Bigfoot and it covers Dogman. And Dogman, you know, has been around. So let's give, I'm sure your viewers know this, but Dogman is a very large, canid, uh, there seems to be six subspecies of these guys, probably more, some are warriors, some are, some are very quadruped, some are upright. And they're nasty characters for sure. And they are kind of a werewolf without the ability to change into humans. And I don't even know, you know, that goes back to that whole myth and lichen, but um, it's not necessary to think of them turning into humans or humans into them. We did a whole episode on shape-shifting. If you want to look that one up, it's really interesting. You know, we talked about like the flounder, how its eye ends up moving from one side of its head to the other. It it's stops swimming up and down and starts swimming on its side. That's one of the craziest shape shifts in nature. We wanted to say, does it occur in biology? It definitely does. Um, so bear. Bear is convenient for, you know, saying, well, you saw a bear in the case of a Bigfoot. You saw a bear in the case of a dog bear. And, you know, th- there are cryptid bears. In New Jersey, and we're right next to New Jersey, um, from the Ice Age, there is the short-faced bear. So... That's like, you know, everything back then was, you know, big, not as big as the dinosaurs. Um, But you take a mountain lion versus, um, you know, a saber-toothed tiger, much larger. You take a wolf versus a dire wolf, again, much larger. And the short-faced bear, that was an extremely large bear. And um, I have absolutely every reason to believe that they're still around. And uh, we don't have, us in New Jersey don't have a bear hunting season. And we have them here in our backyards. Um, but that's an awfully, awfully convenient thing for people to just say, well, that was a bear. Because bears, and then they they walk upright for maybe, they can walk upright for, let's say, maybe 12 feet. You know, and then they need to get back down. Um, they're just not built for that. So that's going to, that's going to, right there. That's what you want to look out for. Another thing, we carry um, a tape measure with us. No, up here appearance snows. That's a great way. Snow is a great way to track. Um we have we have videos of footprints, bipedal footprints, five feet apart between strides. Now a quadruped, those those you gotta remember that's there's four feet moving on the ground. And so the, the, the appearance is that the tracks are closer together. I tried to match the stride of those. And they were going uphill um, into Algonquin State Forest. And it's rugged. There's a lot of, it's like a boulder field with, with trees. I couldn't do it. I could not sustain it. And um, the tracks were uh, canid tracks, five feet apart. They were probably six inches in length. So that's one of the things you would like to do is carry with you a tape measure. Um. Sandwich bags, plaster and water for Um uh, Obviously, everybody's got a cell phone, so you got a camera, a, a pair of tweezers, if you can get hair samples and put them in a bag without ever touching them. But, you know, Diego, that's not going to help you because Squatch DNA is so close to human DNA. They're just going to say that's what it is.
0: Right. And there's. Really, you're limited to where you can send it. Because even if you send it somewhere, chances are you're never gonna get it back anyway.
2: Oh, no, don't ever send. It. So don't, don't ever send anything. Send it to us. Well, or, you know, or or reputable, you, know, you know, Jeff Meldrum or some of these guys that are doing some really good. Everybody knows Meldrum. Got shout out to Meldrum. You're doing great. Here, let me do a suit so close. You can't see me, but just my hair. Um, send it to Meldrum. Send it to us or. You know, the, the researchers in the Hudson Valley, they'll know what to do with that stuff. Uh, another thing you can do is call taps and smack on trees one, maybe twice, wait, give them a little time to pick up the stick and respond and a howl. So you can howl all you want right there. Don't howl at night and definitely don't whistle at night and don't respond to anything that knows your name ever, <laughs> especially there in West Virginia. Holy oh God.
0: no no when I moved into this house it's a whole different show but um <laughs> <laughs> so with your YouTube channel and funny you mentioned shapeshifting because I had that in the notes it's one of the last videos that I watched not long before we got on here what's coming up next on your YouTube channel what's the next video you're gonna share evidence and uh, research
2: okay um well, I'll tell you so we some of the Connecticut cryptids the Mohawk Tribal Nation was is in these areas, um, so we always we always stay close with the puck wedgies. Um, those are the little tiny people of the forest. You know they have a long history with the Native Americans, and we have a lot of ongoing research with them. Um, always now, sort of the 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 hot topic right now is the Melon Heads, um, and they 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 sort of have a home base here in Connecticut, Monroe, and they seem to be along some of the forest there. There's a swamp here where people went missing that. No one's pieced that together. We're going to go check that out. Um, and, you know, we have an un- undisclosed location. Only one, only one, because we're waiting to piece some evidence together. Uh, we got a lot of squatch activity in there. We want to get back to Robin Swamp because um, this is good footprint stuff there. We have really good, if you go to our Robin Swamp, that is the largest inland swamp in Connecticut it's gnarly. The finest marble is in the world is there, so you have crazy, crazy geology. Um, dense swamps, and then there's just this field where there are just, you know, if you get mushy conditions, it's raining right now. probably is there, too. Yes, are going to want to go out there and start looking for some tracks. We got, a woman sent us a 16-inch footprint from there. We were able to go back there and find one ourselves, and we found um, like we did in the Algonquin State Force, we found very large, very large um, canine footprints. Again, five feet apart. These footprints, we have the videos, are good seven to eight inches long. These are big mamas, and there's there seems to be, a, and we got it all in the video, and we got a, we found the Bigfoot track, we got that those tracks, and we found an area where. Uh, it looks like there was a scuffle because there was like some animal hit the ground bad. And many years before that, I went there and there was a crazy, crazy like a tree stand but made with old growth trees. It's absolutely insane. Something brought full grown trees up into an even bigger tree. And it was had to be 25 feet off the ground. And that comes right. So imagine an hourglass. So a field, that then glass is out. So that tree stand type thing was right at the funnel point there.
0: That what would a, take a Herculean strength to do something like that.
2: Absolutely incredible. I went back, we did an investigation there, and the whole thing had fallen over. So we got video of that. You can see the size of the trees. It, it's That place is crazy. I found out about this place because I had a friend that was in the DEP, and he was a, it was his job to go into those places, forests and preserves where people don't really go, to just do a wildlife survey. And I asked him one day, he was a very good friend of mine, who said, was there ever a place um, that you felt watched and you had to stop doing what you were doing and go back? And he said, no, he goes, whoa, I did have to leave Robin Swamp one time because I felt like I was being watched in there hot spot in Connecticut for sure we put that place on the map
0: well that's something when I have you back later this year if you don't mind let's get let's do a deep dive into that and talk more also about the um black dog of Meriden because it's very interesting exactly because this is what this show is about and you're talking about the, the evidence and the footprints and all that for the listeners of let's find out that would like to know more about what it is your group does where can they find your information
2: you go any social media connecticut cryptid investigative with a v investigative society ccis we're gonna pop right up you can easily find us on youtube one of the easiest ways instagram we're all over that and facebook um yeah camera person has the actual emails i don't remember them but just um Connecticut Crypto Investigative Society will pop right up. If somebody wants to follow up on a lengthy you know, ask me questions. Do you have a report? Listen, send it to us. We get reports all the time. I can tell you. So, you, do you know what a rake is?
0: No, it up until you mentioned it earlier.
2: Okay, this is a very nasty fellow. Um, he is a pale, hairless, Misshapen hominid thing with long arms, spindly legs, completely like pale white. Seems to be nocturnal, very large, 11 feet tall. There's a video on camera of this thing stalking a moose, it's ready to take a moose out. Um, but these things are bad, um, bad mojo, if you will. I I try to keep. You know it's really hard to keep, it, to keep it just in biology, but that's what we try to do. There's no animal that fits this description. So <clears throat> here in again, not far from the Connecticut River, not far from Hartford, on five and fifteen, it goes. Oh, it goes right into Meriden. Um, two reports. They these two people, two separate reports within five miles of each other. Both of them truck drivers mm. late at night parking by warehouses because you get off there and you're going to just park. You don't always there's not a whole lot of rest stops in Connecticut. So I don't know what the heck that is. There's a handful. It's ridiculous. I, I'm not kidding. Really, there's only a handful. There is a truck weigh station right underneath Meriden Mountain. Um, So these guys don't know each other. This happened within several months of each other. I get this report of this guy. He's terrified. He's 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 like a bodybuilder. He's a big guy. That's how he's describing himself. It's very late at night. It's in the summer. Uh, he called himself Morningstar. And Morningstar, really appreciated. it. I hope he gave you some good advice here. Uh, he's describing this thing as um, his encounter was he was... Park near the warehouse, and, and you know, like, you imagine a warehouse slightly forested. We're in an urban area. It's just an industrial zone. There's a couple of trees. There's the Metabasset watershed leads into the Connecticut River, and he sees this thing, white, pale, like I described, and it's sort of like poking out from the wood line. He can see it because the, the lights from the warehouse are there. It's very late at night, and there's nobody around. And um, he got a bad feeling, and Watched it for a while, and it watched him. It looked right at him. And that's when this guy stopped sleeping and high-tailed it out of there. He didn't know what to do. It bothered him. It bothered him, and um, he contacted us. I was able to then just tell him, and your your viewers here can look this up, the rake, it's like a garden rake, R-A-K-E. Um, They will attach to you. And every time you see these, they're going to reoccur, going to dreams, leads to bad health. They're kind of like those whole black-eyed kids thing, something you don't want to bump into. Um, so he sends me this report. I had to look into it because I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to tell him, and I wanted to help him. I told him, you need to cleanse yourself from this. So I contacted my friend Nicholas Robert Grossman from Paracon. He's a great guy. You should have him on. A great guy. Uh he told gave me some advice on how he can detach from this. A couple months go by. I get a report from a guy in the same area, truck driver, late at night. It's still summertime here. So one was would have been at the beginning, one would have been at the end. Um he's sleeping by a warehouse on a truck cab. And this thing walks by shoulder length, head above you know, thing looks in his truck at him, you know, and he sees it walking away. They kind of have these like spindly finger arms, do nasty guys, and you know they they've been reported with blood dripping down their face. They're not not good, and uh, he was he was totally 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 disturbed by this thing. You know, they're huge, they're scary. It's middle of the night. They, they look in at you. They see you. They want you to be scared. Dogman does the same freaking thing. The kids just love scaring kids, tapping on the windows and stuff. Loves doing that. Not going to kill you, but it just loves doing that. The rakes are bad, though. They're, they're bad. So I was able to tell this other trucker, hey, whoa, first of all, I got a report five miles away from you. Same scenario, same sort of thing. Made eye contact with them, and I was able to give them the same advice. And I got to tell you, warehouses in the Metabasset Watershed laid at night—you don't want to be walking around back there. No. no. I wouldn't. I I will not investigate them.
0: No. Nope. Interesting, because you mentioned that they attach to you. Now these things are seems to be biological creatures. Do they have some sort of um paranormal edge to them that they can maybe? Yeah. Link up psychically to you or some sort of thing?
2: Yes. Yes. For, uh, you know, internet reports, not direct reports to CSIS, Um, But other people say, you know, they've seen them and then they get ill and uh, nothing, you know, good comes from this. They, they then reoccur. Years could go by. They have another report. They get sick again. Uh, you know, bad, just real bad stuff. Interesting is we have creatures very similar to that being reported to us, maybe 15 miles away in a town called South Windsor, right off of the Connecticut River, two reports of people seeing, imagine a miniature version of that, but a little more human, like with a bulbous head, no sort of mouth or anything, completely naked, and seems to have the ability to mess with streetlights. You know, and they go off when they get hot, but they don't go off in a sequence. You don't walk under one, that one goes off. You walk under another, and that one goes off. It doesn't happen. Like, it happens by temperature, it's random. They just get hot and they shut off. Um, and these things are occurring along, you know, little roads that lead to the, the river. People like to just go there and hang out by the river. It's not a common thing, it's more common where you are that people visit forests at night. Our parks shut down. I don't know for what reason. Only a handful stay open at night. Um, these guys, and they're small, they're maybe three feet tall. No, you know, no. Uh, they're just pale, white. No clothing. No nothing. They're very just weird. But they see you. They see you, and they slink away on their bellies along stone walls.
0: That is the strangest thing I ever heard. They're so great. far.
2: Yeah, no, the, I had to look into this myself. I got two reports of these things.
0: Would that be one of the crazier ones you've gotten? Because, I mean, commonly, you know, Bigfoot and Dogman, yeah, but something like that is, is a little bit uh, unusual compared to the others. Yeah, well, that's what
2: and, – and so, Diego, that's what we get. We don't get a lot of Sasquatch reports. We get these rakes. We get these – so the person didn't know what to say It was like they said Gollum That's and the only they... thing he could think To call them I, I looked it up and they occur Quite a bit in Rhode Island and, and Connecticut And a little bit in Massachusetts They're called pale crawlers They don't really seem to do anything Bad They're just creepy You just probably don't want to see them There's this, the Dover Demon There's very similar thing as the Dover Demon. I think I think that might be Massachusetts. It's not it might be Dover Delaware. I actually don't know. It's Dover. It's a town called Dover. The Dover Demon. The crazy well, the craziest report I ever got.
0: Yeah, please.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh no, I'm
0: eating this up. This is great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, you're gonna love this one. All right. Bates Park in New London, which is not far from Lyme, which is not far from Plumga Island which is the, the the disease, biological disease research center, just off the coast of Connecticut. And seagull flying distance from that island to old Lyme, and you get Lyme disease. And I'm not just going to leave it at that. I don't want to say too much. They shut Plumgut Island down, and then government genius moved their cattle biological warfare research to the largest cattle farm in the country, in Oklahoma in the heartland of America, thank you for that genius. Nothing bad could happen, right? No, like, no. Uh, so like no. you have it on an island, you think nothing can get away, but then you don't take into account seagulls that land and get ticks and bring biologically engineered ticks. The shortest path for a seagull to land, it would be Lyme, Connecticut. So, there's a park in New London, not from here, and it's not related to that. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, So we get a report of Bates Park. Now, I haven't been there, but I did look it up. It's a small municipal park. So we're not talking a vast state forest. This is densely populated Connecticut shoreline. You know, a lot of lot of buildings and houses. So they got this park set aside Bates Park. I get a report of and I don't you know, we just take the reports of a kangaroo upright with deer antler, apparently like deer antlers hopping around like a rabbit um four three and a half to four feet tall and just seemed completely indifferent to being seen just you know hopping around and uh, there's a strange road just a lot of strange roads here you know roads in Connecticut they they have a lot of this um ghost Stuff attached to them and things, you have them there too. You know, they occur all throughout the country, but that's the craziest report, I think. Kangaroo with deer,
0: yeah, no. no, But one of the takeaways is if you are a truck driver, and I know there's a few of them out there listening to the show, if you're gonna make a truck stop, make a delivery, skip Connecticut because you don't want any of that.
2: (laughs) Skip them, don't go on (laughs) 5 and 15. And I'll tell you, it, it really is sad because that is famous for sleazy hotels and human trafficking and sad, just sad. And it's a beautiful place. I'm not putting the Berlin Turnpike down, but they got those kind of like short-stay hotels. And yeah, yeah you just, it just builds a lot of negative energy. And, they can. and so that's going to bring a rake in, you know?
0: Things like that, they feed off of that.
2: Absolutely. They seem to absolutely feed off of your fears.
0: My friend, uh we're we're about to close here and let's talk about one more thing. This has been going on pretty much your whole life. Do you feel and I don't mean I, I'm not trying to be a a wise guy when I ask this, but do you feel that maybe <clears throat> you're cursed some sort of way?
2: I would say blessed if anything. Um I don't, like, well, like, we take the rakes. I don't go, I'm not, there are just some things I'm not going to go follow up on that report. If anything, when I touch that cast iron bed, I kind of really wish, Um, yeah, I wish, I, it was like a jolt of electricity. It was not good. Um, I don't feel, because I try to keep it into the, the biology, no, I don't feel that that is, I just... I'm just out there in the woods a lot and I don't carry firearms. And I firmly believe animals can smell gunpowder in your bullets. And you just know, sir, I feel blessed, if anything, to have some of these encounters. And I don't think I'm unique in any way. I think a lot of people don't know who to talk to and are scared to even mention it. And they just question themselves.
0: You're right. If if you consider this to be a blessing, and it's possibly a blessing to others when people come to you and tell you their testimony and their eyewitness accounts, it's a blessing to them to have somebody like you and the folks in your group who at least can provide them answers and some sort of comfort and let them know, yeah, you you know, you're not crazy and don't worry what what people say.
2: Right, like the truck drivers. When I was able to tell these two, and then I went back to the other one and I said another guy saw it, and they're like. So within five miles of my sighting, this thing that terrified me—I thought I was crazy. Someone else had it, and you're not going to just invent this crazy story. You know, you're gonna you're gonna go with your typical Bigfoot or something. I'm um, able to tell them someone else saw it. No, you're not crazy. This is how you want to detach yourself from that because from what I read, it's bad. I I do like to look into the black dog. But I gotta tell you, I'm a little hesitant every time I do that. So, we go with honor and love in our hearts. We go just looking for biology. We carry no weapons with us, and we're we don't mess with any of the wildlife. If anything, we want it preserved and set aside. And we want people to experience it. And, and like I said, you heard it. It's about getting out there.
0: Definitely, you're doing it the right way, and we appreciate the work that you do. And thank you for coming on the show. And I'd like to. Let the listeners know. They can just go on YouTube and just go ahead and do a search of Connecticut Cryptid Investigative Society CSIS. You're going to see a lot of amazing things there. Colin, thank you for being on the show. And I I, I swear, when I said earlier, please come back later this year because I know that you're going to have some more amazing stories to tell us.
2: I'll tell you what. When we're we're finished with our undisclosed location, we'll disclose it. We'll we'll tell you where it is. I'll bring that to your table because – we got a report of a raccoon being thrown by a Bigfoot um, at campers in the '70s. Might have just given my spot away, but um, oh,
0: no, I'll put no. that
2: back to your table when we follow up because we're getting a lot of activity there.
0: And please do; I would be honored if you bring that story to the show. And uh, looking forward to hearing it.
2: And we're gonna we're gonna promote you as well. Uh, I thank you, Diego, for your time. You were a great host, a great oh, co host. And to the listeners of your podcast, you're doing a great service. We love you. We appreciate you. We're here anytime for anybody.
0: Awesome. And we love you too. Thank you for being on. And uh, looking forward to having you back. This has been an, another excellent episode of Let's Find Out with me, co host Diego. Please check us out on all our social media pages, as well as the new YouTube channel. But before we go, I'd like to thank our good friends Jessica and Jim from Reads in the Valley. They create the very best candles of all space and time. Please visit them on at readsinthevalley.com. That's readsinthevalley.com, And tell them co-host Diego sent you. Thank you for taking this journey with me. Until next time, my friends.
1: Thank you for listening to Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, and on Anchor. For more information about Let's Find Out with co-host Diego, please visit us on facebook.com forward slash co-host Diego, on Twitter at co-host underscore Diego, and on Instagram as co-host Diego. Copyright co-host Diego. All content for Let's Find Out is the property of co-host Diego and is served directly from our servers with no modification, redirects, or re-hosting. All celebrity impersonators are paid performers. The impersonated celebrities do not endorse or promote any views or opinions expressed by our guests, co-host Diego, or Let's Find Out. The information shared on Let's Find Out is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness.